So welcome to a new Sunday in the life of our church. January 1st, 2023. So today we mark two, two beginnings, uh, a new year uh, and a new building. So today is a, a day of new beginnings for us. And God has been good. Love the songs that have been sung already today. Just that theme of his faithfulness, his goodness that has been running after us and continues to run after us. Uh, because we're doing this family style, I'll keep uh, on the shorter side, don't worry, we're not gonna go real long today, but I couldn't pass up a chance today to talk and frame this day in terms of dedication. It's not every day that we move into a new building. And it's not every day that we start a new year. Some new things happening among us. So this morning I wanna talk mainly about this building that we've been given, but I also think that some of the things that we highlight today is relevant for our lives, for our community, as we step into a new year as well. So to ground this in scripture, open up your Bibles to 1 Chronicles 29. 1 Chronicles 29, 10 through 13. At the end of his life, King David, the greatest king in the history of Israel, he passed his throne to his son Solomon. And one of the greatest desires of Solomon's, or of David's heart, excuse me, was to build a temple, was to have a permanent dwelling place of worship for the Lord. He wanted people to experience the presence of God in Jerusalem. But because he was a man of war and had blood on his hands, God said that, no, you can't do that. And so he then passed that task on to his son. And before he died, David charged Israel. And David charged Solomon, his son. And he gave very specific plans and provisions for the temple. You can read about that more in 1 Chronicles 28, the chapter before this one. But then in chapter 29 here, David gathers together the great assembly in Israel and he blesses the Lord and here's what he prays. I want this to be our prayer today. It says, therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly and David said, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. You are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Man, that's a good prayer. That's a rich prayer. And I love it, not just because of the occasion as he's preparing Israel for a building and a temple, but I love it because of its content. These words from David stand as a reminder as of the beautiful, stunning, awe-inspiring, resplendent supremacy of God. So he takes all these different words and all the different directions that he can manage and he gathers all the superlatives and he throws them toward heaven, toward God the covenant God of Israel, because David wanted everyone to know and see and hear and taste and touch the magnificent glory of the Lord. And you catch a bit of that in his prayer. 
right? That God is blessed. He's all deserving. He's our father in relational love toward us. That he's eternal forever and ever. He has all greatness, he has all power, he has all glory. The victory is his even in our darkest defeats. The majesty is his in beauty and splendor. The kingdom is his, all rule, all power, all exaltation. He is head over all. Riches and honor come from him. All things that we seek come from him. Power and might are in his hands. He holds all things, he gives all things, he bestows it. All things are from him, all things then are to him. This beautiful prayer of David. There's nothing, there's no name, there's no power, there's no creature, no title in heaven or earth deserving more of the praise. He is the focus, he is the greatest, he is the highest, not us. He is worthy of worship. He is worthy of praise. He is worthy of adoration. He is worthy of sacrifice. Blessed be the Lord over all in heaven and earth. And I would argue that life is best lived with a razor sharp understanding of God in his place. As we come into a new building, may you understand with razor sharp precision, the place of God above all. As we begin a new year, Reality Church, may you have a deep understanding of the majesty and the wonder and the splendor and the authority of the Lord God. David knew that. David wanted Solomon to know that. David wanted Israel to know that. And the point of this building in Jerusalem so many years ago was a deep desire for all the nations to come and experience the greatness of God. That all the people of all the nations on earth would come to know that truth, the awe-inspiring, resplendent supremacy of God. So my friends, if you wanna know what this building is all about, if you wanna know what our new year holds for us, right, vision statements are good, plans are good, Resolutions aren't half bad, though you'll probably break them in a few weeks. Someone said, the donuts, I'm gonna break my New Year's diet before the day gets going here. But here's what I want for you and for anyone that does walk through the doors of this building, that they would catch a vision of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That they would catch and experience for themselves the awe-inspiring, resplendent supremacy of God the God that is available to you and to me through Jesus, that everyone experience Jesus and his kingdom come. So today marks a new beginning, but it's a new beginning in the ancient way. This stuff isn't new. It's the ancient way of Jesus. It's the ancient way of God's people. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have been inviting people into this way for a long, long time, but we get to put it in a different way here. So what I want to do real quick this morning as I end is I want to, I want to use the building because the building helps tell the story. 
It's one thing for us to talk about this majestic, awe-inspiring, supreme God who rules over all, has all authority and power and might and majesty and beauty and worth. How does that begin to intersect with us here? There's four features of our building that I wanna point out and play tour guide a little bit for you so that every time you walk in this space, you'll begin to connect with the glorious truth of who God is. So Winston Churchill, once said, we shape our buildings and afterwards our buildings shape us. So this building was built on purpose in a certain way. It was shaped and then any building actually will shape us. So my hope and prayer is that this building will keep shaping us and whoever comes to be a part of reality for the future in these four ways. So first of all, I wanna point your attention to the stained glass. What's in the stained glass behind us? Okay, a sword and, I heard it over here, a Bible, awesome. So this building was built, anyone know what year it was built? 1930, 1930. In seven years, we'll celebrate the 100th anniversary of this building. Westminster Presbyterian Church. And I still don't, haven't gotten verification if that's original to the building or not but it's a stained glass reminder of the scriptures, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And it's this little stuff. Notice, where's the Bible placed? Where's the Bible placed in the window? At the top. And the sword. Up high. So as you walk in this space and you see that stained glass, I want you to be reminded that the word of God stands above us. Isaiah says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. We live this new year and we live in this space with God's word over us, over our opinions, over our personal preferences, over our hot takes and our hot buttons. You and I will die. God's word stands forever. His promises are true. So as you walk in and you see that stained glass, may you remember that the word of God is lifted high and his promises are true and he keeps his promises. And the sword of spirit, the sword of the spirit cuts through the crap of this world and the sword of the spirit cuts to bone and marrow and even will cut your heart in two to reveal who God is and who you really are. Next time you walk in this space, remember the word of God over us. But there's also stained glass behind us, well, behind me, in front of you, that's behind you. I pointed this out on Christmas Eve. Three scenes up on this stained glass, I put it up here for you to see if you can't see that. It's lit up pretty well today. Three scenes, birth of Jesus, dedication of Jesus at the temple, and then the wise men, the wise men from the nations being drawn to the Christ child. John's gospel reminds us this, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Or as Eugene Peterson said in the message, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. 
And this reminds us of the instinct of God. This reminds us of the movement of God. Again, this same God who is over all, this same God who has majesty and power and dominion and strength and all things are from him and to him. And that prayer of David that paints this picture, again, even this building is built to get our eyes up, lift up and see this great God. But then we're reminded even through this picture here in front of us that this same God didn't stay in heaven, but he came and he pursued and he stepped into the mess of this world. He took on flesh and he moved into the neighborhood. May you know of the movement of God into the mess of life, the mess of sin, the pain of this world. God doesn't stand aloof from his creation, but he draws near. So my friends, this new year, this new building, may we do the same. May we draw near, may we move into the neighborhood, this neighborhood, but also among our neighbors. May we not just label and throw people away, but may we step in close to know them as the Father sent the Son to know and love us. May this year be a season of ministry marked by a God-patterned instinct to draw near to others as he's drawn near to us, to love people, to meet needs. How would he use this space? How would he use this kitchen downstairs? How would he use our commons area? How would he use this space in us? All right, third thing. Anyone know what shape this building is in or this room is in? So you can see it from above. If you see the floor plan, this building is in the shape of a cross. So this is another practice that occurred throughout the centuries, especially in old cathedrals. I know the Rodellas just got back from Spain and they have some lovely stories of the cathedrals built there. But these buildings were built intentionally like this. And I've heard people say, wow, this is an odd space. It's very long and narrow. And yeah, it is long and narrow. It is not in the round as we usually have experienced it. But I love the shape reminder here. A cruciform building. Again, there's all sorts of technical names for the different pieces of this. Heather knows them, I don't know them. One scholar noted though, that the buildings were built this way because it reminded Christians that they were to conform themselves to the cross of Christ and daily participate in his sufferings. So we sit each week in the cross because we're meant to live lives shaped by the cross. So our seating, yes, is in a cross shape, but our lives are meant to be cross shaped, a reminder that the way up is down, that the way to life is through death, and the way all things become new is through crucifixion. And we follow a crucified savior The American gospel says, get rich and famous and make a name for yourself. The Christian gospel doesn't promise you riches or fame or power or prestige in this life, but we are offered this, my friends, to share in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So as we sit awkwardly in a cross shape, may it shape our lives to be reminded that I am being shaped and formed into a cruciform way of living. 
May our lives be cross-shaped. May our community be cross-shaped, willing to serve, willing to die, willing to identify with a savior who made the supremacy of God known to a world watching week after week as we sit and worship in this space. May its very shape remind us of the cross that has saved us. One last thing. Anyone know the color of our outside doors? That's right, they're red. Took a picture of them here. And that is not just a color scheme preference because there were other color schemes preferred. But in many church traditions, the doors of a church are painted red to remind us of the precious blood of Jesus. The blood of Christ, which according to the book of Hebrews has made a new and living way. I love how Pastor Ray Ortland has stated this for his church. I'll just borrow his words. He says, we enter into the church through the blood of Christ. Out in the world that we live in the rest of the week, we never measure up. Our lives are never complete and we never fully belong. Then we come into the church through the finished work of Christ on the cross. And what makes the difference here, the reason why we belong, is that we are walking into completeness already prepared. Therefore, we can be weak and we can be honest with ourselves and others and the Lord. And he says we belong. So, to all who are weary and need rest, that's me. To all who mourn and long for comfort. To all who feel worthless and wonder if God even cares. To all who fail and desire strength. To all who sin and need a savior. This church opens wide her red doors. In the name of Jesus, the mighty friend of sinners, the ally of his enemies, the defender of the indefensible, the justifier of those who have no excuses left. Reality Church, we open our red doors because Jesus has made a new and living way for us. Every time you walk through the red door, remember it's only through his blood that we have access to God. It's not our work, it's not our performance, it's not our morals, it's not our family history, it's not our reputation, it's not our good deeds, it's Jesus, it's grace, it's all grace. May this be a grace-saturated community that opens red doors wide to other sinners who need to hear the good news of Jesus. So every time you go in and out, notice the stained glass, it's telling you something. Notice the stained glass, the incarnation invites us to follow the cross, the blood, the word of God over us, the incarnation of God instructing us, the cross of Christ shaping us, the blood of God, the blood of Jesus welcoming us in. We're gonna sing a couple songs, but I wanna pray this prayer one more time over us. Would you stand up? Would you even be willing just to maybe spread out and fill the cross. Fill the space. Let me pray this one more time over us and then we'll sing. 
Blessed are you, O Lord God, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Because yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in the earth is yours. Have the next slide. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. You are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all and in your hand are power and might and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you. We thank you, our God. We praise your glorious name. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we dedicate this space, this building, these rooms, and we dedicate this new year to you. We ask, Lord Jesus, that through it and through us, others may come to experience your good rule and reign. We pray this in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen.